0: He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. By him, all things were created. Things in heaven, things on earth, things you can see, things you can't see. He, this is the head of the body, the firstborn from among the dead. So that in him, God might have preeminence. That's first place. For in him, all of the fullness dwelt. And by him... He reconciled all things unto Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Amen? I'm washed in the blood. Down in Kentucky, they say washed. Amen? I'm washed in the blood. Amen? Now, I was lied to for 35 years of my life. I got saved on January the 8th, 1998 on my living room floor. I'll tell you a little bit about that as the week goes on. But ladies and gentlemen, I was lied to for 35 years of my life. I was told that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of years ago in a pond of scum, a miraculous event happened. An energy source, a lightning bolt, a meteor struck a pond of scum and a single-celled amoeba split became a two-celled amoeba. That amoeba became a tadpole, that tadpole became a frog, that frog became a lizard, that lizard became a squirrel, that squirrel became a monkey, and that monkey became a man. So I was taught that we went from the goo, went to the zoo, and ended up as you, amen? (laughs) Listen, one preacher said it this way, I once was a tadpole, amen, I once was a tadpole beginning to begin, then I was a lizard with my tail tucked in. Now I'm a monkey in a banyan tree, soon I'll be a professor with a Ph.D., Let me give you two scientific reasons I reject evolution and one theological reason I reject evolution. Number one is the second law of thermodynamics. Given enough time, pressure, and change, organic life forms deteriorate rather than improve. If you're over the age of 40, can I get a witness? You ain't getting better, amen? You're getting worse. Now watch this, I'm using hyperbole, but follow me. If we went from squirrel, I'm sorry, if we went from lizards to squirrels to monkey, I have two questions. Where are the squizzards and where are the squonkeys? (laughs) And by the way, we're not looking for one of them. There have to be millions of them. And do you know that we've never found one transitional fossil? All those pictures you see in Time Magazine and Life, they're based off one tooth that they found. Now, you just look at human deformity because of disease and all kinds of malevolence and the things that happen because we live in a fallen world and you make a monkey out of yourself based on a tooth. (laughs) Two reasons I reject evolution. Number one, second law of thermodynamics. Number two, transitional fossils. Theologically, there was no death before sin. There was no death before sin, folks. And so again, we come to the, Understanding And what I'm preaching to you today is the fact that you did not evolve from pond scum. You were created by God, and Jesus Christ is that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. I'm going to be preaching out of the 5th chapter. Now let me state emphatically, ladies and gentlemen, that we have a problem. The problem is in perspective. We must understand not man's perspective, but God's perspective. I have five opportunities to communicate truth to you over the next couple of days. This will be my first attempt at communicating what we understand in the word reconciled. Now, the passage I quoted to you was from the book of Colossians, the first chapter, and it says there that he has reconciled all things to himself. Ladies and gentlemen, look up here the debt is paid sin is no longer your problem sin has been paid for jesus is your problem or he's the solution to your problem now we'll understand that as we look at the text this morning but you need to understand something the debt is paid all things have been reconciled that word reconciliation is an accounting term it means to take all of the debt And move it to the credit ledger how'd you like for that to happen at your bank tomorrow amen how'd you like that to happen at your mortgage account tomorrow amen but you need to understand Jesus has reconciled all things unto himself in other words let me put it to you this way we win the war there's just a few battles raging until that happens and if you ain't running into the devil you're probably heading in the same direction amen First, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'll begin reading in the 18th verse. I want to look at three things this morning. I want to look at the ministry of reconciliation. I want to look at the message of reconciliation. And I want to look at the man of reconciliation. Lifting right off the pages of the word of God. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning in the 18th verse. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us. That is, balanced the books. He has paid the debt. He has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Father, I humbly bow before you. I pray that you would do in this place what no man could ever take credit for. God, you would do something in our hearts and lives that we would be revived and that those who are without life in Christ would be saved and brought into your glorious kingdom. Father, I pray that you show us an understanding of this word, reconciliation, in Jesus' name amen amen so again understanding that the debt has been paid that all things have been reconciled god has called you and i into a ministry a ministry of reconciliation the word ministry is where we get the word deacon it's dekanos it simply means to do the work literally it means an under rower it was someone in the bottom of the boat pulling the oars can i tell you something when you pull an oar you make the boat go somewhere chris i'll never forget I was in an old country church, and they were having an associational meeting of pastors. I was just kind of there as an observer. I was preaching a revival down in that area. And this old boy, he got up. He was country as a corn cob. I mean, he was country. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a waste of time. Now, I'm from the country, all right? I grew up Route 3, Milledgeville, Georgia. We used to have to go towards town to hunt, amen? <laughs> I'm just telling you. I, I mean, we didn't get the Grand old Opry until Sunday afternoon, all right? Listen, I, listen, listen. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. He got up, and I thought, okay, what's this old boy going to say? He got to telling this story about how he grew up down on the Mississippi River, and his first job was on a tugboat, and they gave him a three-foot-by-three-foot patch on the front of that tugboat. He had to keep it scraped, clean, painted. Before you know it, the captain gave him the whole front of the boat. By the time he was 17, 18, he was in charge of the whole deck. When he was 21, the captain called him in one day and said, Jimmy, get that coat over there and put that hat on. Come over here and stand behind this wheel. He put his captain's coat on, he put his captain's hat on, he's standing behind the wheel. He's looking out the left, water's going by, he's looking out the right, water's going by. About 20 minutes went by, and he said, Jimmy, you ready to get underway? He said, what do you mean, we've been traveling for 20 minutes. He said, son, you've been sitting on a sandbar for 20 minutes. <laughs> Listen to what he said. He said, I look like a tugboat captain. I was dressed like a tugboat captain. I was talking like a tugboat captain. He said, but I wasn't taking my ship anywhere. You see, the ministry is to go somewhere. The ministry takes us outside the walls of this building. And by the way, this is not the church. This is the church. We are the church. And when we go outside these buildings and when we get out there, we begin to do what? We begin to show people the debt is paid. You do that in tangible ways by cutting a widow's grass. I was listening this morning in Sunday school just at your church, admonishing your pastor, encouraging him in how God has used him as a shepherd. Now, understand something. I'm an evangelist. That's a different call, okay? A pastor comforts the afflicted. An evangelist afflicts the comforted, amen? In other words, I'm here. I blow in for three or four days, and I blow back out. But guess what? The reason is I'm here to fan the flames of the gospel. I'm here to take those embers and coals that may be stuck or maybe some of you don't have the life of Christ and I want to present it in such a way that may be harsh, it may be bold, but it's to, listen, it's to effectuate the ministry, the under-rowers of reconciliation. Let's take the gospel to a lost and dying world. I've been living in Cincinnati, in the Cincinnati era, for more than 20 years. I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else in the world. I've traveled all over the world in the Marine Corps, I designed and built golf courses for 10 years for a man named Arnold Palmer. I came to Cincinnati to get rich. I was offered a a three-way partnership in a $70 million development corporation. One morning, May the 10th, 1999, I'd been saved a little over a year. God called me to preach. There was an open Bible on a stump and a $70 million project behind me. And I said, Lord, if you're calling me into the gospel, if you're calling me into the ministry, I'll walk away from everything. And the Holy Spirit said, I ain't called you out of anything. I've called you into everything. Can I tell you something? Since that day, we've seen more than three and a half million people come to faith in Jesus Christ. God is still in the reconciling business. God is still in the debt-paying business. God is in the debt-raising business. Amen? Amen. And He's active all over this world. This year in Malawi, we will plant more than 200 churches. We'll give 2,000 villages fresh, clean water. Why? Because God has reconciled all things unto himself. Amen? And it's time for us to get out of a segmented mentality where we think our service to God happens between 11 and 12, one day a week. God says, I've given you a ministry, a decanos, an under rower to explain the debt is paid. Second, not only is there the ministry of reconciliation, but verse 19 says that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, but he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, I see a lot of you that are a little bit younger than 40 years old, so this may kind of go over your head a little bit, but if you can, finish this statement for me. Ready? Plop, plop. Oh, what a... Do you know that commercial has not aired since 1978? You do that math, amen? <laughs> now, for you under, under the age of 40, that was an Alka-Seltzer commercial. And back in the day, there were only three channels on the television. And that commercial played on all three of them nonstop. It's burned into our brains, amen? Now, I want, you, I want to show you something. Ready? The message of reconciliation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God demonstrated his love for you and me. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... Believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 30.31 seconds. Four verses from the Bible that tell everybody on this planet how they can go to heaven. Watch this. There was a time in my life where nobody ever took the time to explain to me that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's perfect standard. Now, what we deserve for sinning is death. But God doesn't want to kill you. He wants to give you a gift, the gift of eternal life. Jesus, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. He died on a cross to pay for every mistake you ever made. They buried him. He took your sin far away. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He's alive today, and he offers you. He demonstrated his love for you and me. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And the Bible says, this is what I did. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is who God says he is. I believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead, and I got saved, and so can you. 48 seconds. 48 seconds, folks. Less than a television commercial. Gives you and I the message of reconciliation. Now, can I help you with something? We live in a gospel-hardened nation. I I don't deny that at all. I led... Last year, I preached in two churches because of COVID, okay? The COVID thing messed my evangelism up, my personal evangelism. I still preach to thousands of people. I got stuck in Africa for three months. That was Providence. We drilled over 50 wells while I was there. We led hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus. But the way I like to share the gospel in America, I've seen very few people saved in churches once in a while. But normally, the most of the people I, I reach in america or at walmart up in the front there's that little silver bench you know and i'll sit on that bench and i'll put my hand right here and i'll say lord bring somebody to sit down right here next to me so i can tell them about you it won't be five minutes almost always it's a man and he comes and sits down right next to me and i'll say man i was just praying for you and you look at me and i say, can i tell you about that and he'll say yeah and i'll say man there was a time in my life where nobody ever took the time To explain to me that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That God demonstrated his love for you and me. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now, what we deserve for sinning is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. God didn't want to kill you. He wants to save you. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You can be saved. Watch this. Has anybody ever taken the time to share that with you? Ninety-eight percent of the time, do you know what I hear? I've never heard that. You know what the other two percent say? I've never heard it like that. (laughs) Amen? The message of reconciliation. There is a truth, a gospel. We're not spreading a disease, folks. We got everything. The debt is paid. Heaven is open. And by the way, let me help you with something. If you're saved, why didn't God take you to heaven the moment you got saved? he left you amen and you're probably not called to be an evangelist and stand up here like i am i go into an african village which is translated come come and hear the good news when i stand in an african village and scream that they come by the hundreds Literally within five minutes, there'll be four or five hundred people standing there going, I want good news. Give me some good news. It's unbelievable. It's the antithesis of the culture that you and I live in. But folks, that's the way God works. Find out where God's at work and join him in that work. Amen? Amen? And so guess what? I'm praying that God will do that in our culture through the ministry of reconciliation, through the message of reconciliation, that God will begin to move in our midst. The reason that I'm not living in Africa right now is God has told me don't give up on America. There's still hope. And that hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't know what it's going to take, folks. We saw saw 9-11. People came to Jesus for about four months and then right back out to their regular way we had an economic crash in 2008 maybe a couple of months just a blip on the radar COVID God says listen you won't take the church outside the walls I'll kick you out of your churches don't think God didn't have a hand in that amen by the way that right there that little thing right there took the gospel and more people than our churches would have ever done if COVID hadn't hit I get messages from all over the world, from little broadcasts, Facebook Live, all this stuff where the gospel is going out. The message of reconciliation still works, amen? I was in an African village, me and a young man named Sylvester. Sylvester's gone on to be with the Lord. We usually get to the village about 4.30. Now, by 6 o'clock, it's so dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face. I mean, there's no electricity. They've never seen any form of media, a movie, nothing. And so at 6 o'clock, it is pitch black dark, and you, I mean, and so normally we get there about 4.30, we start playing music, the kids come, they're curious, we tell the kids, hey, go, tell everybody to come see the Jesus film. As soon as it's dark, we'll start showing the film. Time means nothing to them, they just measure, you know, dark, light, that's it. If it's dark, they go to bed, if it's light, they get up, amen? That's just the way it is, that's their culture. So we got there late, it was about five minutes till six. I knew we were going to have a hard time drawing people. So, since I speak a little language, I began going through the village. Kanema, 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 yaesu, esculo, esculo, esculo. Come to the school, come to the school. The Jesus films tonight, the Jesus films tonight. And all of a sudden, man, you can see a stir in the village. And me and Sylvester, we got all the way to the other end of the village proclaiming, come and hear the good news, come and see the Jesus film. And people are just scurrying over to the school. As we got to the edge of the village, and he said, this is it. There's no, there's no more houses for miles. We turned around, and as I looked off to my left, I saw a flickering lantern. It was a kerosene lantern. And I walked over, and this old woman, that's rare. Most Malawians don't live to see their 36th birthday. That's the average age of death in Malawi. Most of that was due to AIDS and HIV. It's starting to lift a little bit. I think it's come up to around 40 now. But this woman was old, in her 90s. Very rare. And she was sitting on the edge of her house. And I walked over and I greeted her. And I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus, Grandmother. She said, come over here. I sat down next to her. I said, Grandmama, do you know Jesus? He said, she said, where does he live? Go to Walmart today and look at the Bibles on the shelf. Go to Kroger and look at the Bibles on the shelf. See how many gospel radio stations you can get tuned in on your television and your radio today. And this woman asked me, Where does he live? To whom much has been given, much is required. I said, No, ma'am, Jesus is God, Grandmama. He's the King of kings, He's the Lord of lords. And He sent me here today to share the gospel with you. And I did. I shared with her that we've all sinned. I shared with her that Jesus paid the price for our sin. He was buried and He rose from the dead. And as I got to that last part of the thing where if you confess with your mouth, in other words, if you say what God says about Jesus, and if you believe in your heart what I'm telling you, that he died and was buried and rose from the dead, you can be saved. Now, in Africa, when a chief comes into your presence, they cut their hands and very, very steady. It's not an applause. It's just, it's, an, it's a greeting. You bow and you greet the chief. So all of a sudden, as I'm preaching the gospel, she starts greeting the chief. I'm looking for the chief. Well, the chief of chiefs is who she was greeting. Amen? Amen? She sensed his presence so magnificently. In her culture, she began to greet Jesus. I led her to the Lord. She prayed the most beautiful prayer in the Chichewa language, just asked Jesus to come into her heart. And when she got done, we were sitting there on that stoop, and I said to her, I said, Grandma, what did God just do for you? She didn't answer immediately. She thought she pondered. The Bible talks about pulling those truths from deep within your heart and here's what she said. <laughs> she said this morning I woke up dead and now I'm going to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. This morning I woke up dead and now I'm going to live forever. Now watch what happened. I said grandma, I got to go. There's thousands of people over at the school that are going to hear the same message you just heard. She said Zikomo abusa. Thank you, pastor. I said, you're welcome. And as I turned to walk off, the Holy Spirit arrested me. I just stopped and looked over my shoulder. I'll never forget it. She grabbed a stick and she's trying to push herself up. All of her strength. She's trying to turn. And the Holy Spirit said, you just preached the first sermon she's ever heard. You know, Paul said, I desire to build a foundation where no man has ever built before. To be able to take the gospel to someone on this planet who's never heard. And I said, I got to go. I took about three more steps, and the spirit just arrested me again. I looked over my shoulder, and I saw that old woman step into the darkness of that little mud hut. And the Holy Spirit said, you just preached the last sermon she's ever heard. She died 52 hours later. I preached her funeral. We had 5,000 people saved at her funeral. (laughs) Glory to God. Amen. Is this the first sermon you've ever heard? It might be the last. Amen? The Bible says, no man is appointed once unto man to die, and then comes the judgment. No man knows the day. No woman knows the day of their passing. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Folks, do you understand the severity of that? God, who needs nothing. God who set the sun on fire. God who threw galaxies out into the universe is begging you through me to be reconciled. The debt's paid. It's free. It's open. All you got to do is reach out and take it. Have you ever done that? There's a message of reconciliation. There's a ministry of reconciliation. But don't you miss this. There's a man of reconciliation. And here it is. For he made him... I'm in verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Listen to me. What I'm about to say gets me invited to a lot of Baptist churches once. If you do not believe you deserve to go to hell, you are lost. Every one of us ought to bust hell wide open. Do you know why? Because you have sinned. You say, well, wait a minute, I'm not that bad. Well, who are you comparing yourself to? Charles Manson? Adolf Hitler? Did it ever occur to you they're not the standard? Chris gave me this bottle of water. It was sitting up here waiting for me. When I first started preaching, I turned the top and I heard it crack. That means that the water in here is filtered, it's clean, and so I can drink it. Imagine somebody ran up here and put one drop in this little bottle, and that water turned black. And I said, What'd you put in my water? They said, poison. But don't worry about it. I just put one drop in there. 99.9% of what's in the bottle's clean, healthy, pure. Go ahead and drink it. Would you drink it? That one drop has ruined all that was good. Ladies and gentlemen, God cannot allow sin into heaven. Not one lie, not one dirty thought, not one mis- listen, not one misbehavior. And think about the compiled sins that you've committed in the last 10 years. Stealing a cookie. Lying to your mama. Stealing something out of her pocketbook. And those are just things we laugh at. Let's really get down in there, amen? I'm not even going there, all right? I mean, imagine if I had a remote control that could suck the last 24 hours of thought out of your brain and put them up on that screen right there. And you're going to stand before God? Holy, 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 without flaw, God, I got good news for you this morning, but I precede it with bad news. You have sinned against the holy God, and you deserve to hell bust, bust hell wide open, but I got good news. Jesus came. Jesus lived the sinless life. Jesus died on the cross to pay for every sin you ever committed, every dirty thought you ever had, every misspoken word. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we through him might become the righteousness of God. I got saved out of a honky tonk lifestyle, out of strip clubs and immorality. My wife is more like Jesus than anybody I've ever met on this planet. She forgave me, but she forgave me because she saw the fruit of Christ. My wife lived, 1 Peter chapter 3, for decades as she prayed for me. As she waited for God to do a work in my life. She didn't preach to me. Thank you for that testimony, sister. Bless my heart. She preached to me. And by the way, she didn't even know I was listening. I was sitting in the back of the Sunday school room listening. God saved this wretched filthy sinner my wife recognized that uh, i had come out of that lifestyle so she did something unusual she went and bought a tape that was scripture set to the tune of country music because <laughs> i had been running in these honky-tonks and stuff i'd plug that tape in and it was pure scripture that's one of the ways i memorized a lot of scripture was listening to scripture and so All of a sudden, there was a song on there, and I won't try to sing. I can't sing, but I I will tell you what the song was. The song was, The Fear of the Lord is the Beginning of Wisdom, and Knowledge of the Holy One is Understanding. And I would just sing that. It was to like a little country tune. "Fear Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I'm driving down the road. We live in Ponte Vedra Beach, one of the most affluent communities in America. And I'm driving down the road on my way to work, working for Arnold Palmer, and I'm thinking about that song, and I said, Lord, Why should I be afraid of you? I love you, and you saved me. Folks, I had to pull over. I had to pull over on the side of the road and get down on my face. Now, I don't know if this was a vision or if I was just an imaginative, but in my mind, I was in this perfectly white room. And there before me was my entire life. I mean, the birth of my children, my wedding day, falling in love with my wife, all the good, the bad, the ugly, everything just there. And this booming voice came down and said, Jovial, why should I let you? Into my heaven. Now folks always talk about questions they got for people in heaven. I didn't have any questions that day. All I wanted to do was scream in horror. Standing in the presence of holiness with all the junk in my life. And all the stuff I had done. And I did not have an answer for that question. I didn't. And from the right hand of God. I never saw Jesus' face. I don't know what he looks like. I heard a voice saying, Daddy. He's washed in my blood. He has my righteousness You see when I tell you that you deserve to go to hell you need to understand there's only one way to get to heaven it is to be 100% perfect without sin no sin nothing and you can't get there so when you couldn't get to God God came to you folks there's a message of reconciliation there's a ministry reconciliation but don't you miss this there's a man of reconciliation he who knew no sin became sin for us now I want you in your mind's eye to picture a president of the United States anyone you choose anyone you want go far back as you want to imagine that you met that individual That you met him in such a way that he walked up, he shook your hand, introduced himself to you, and wrote you a personal check for $25,000. Can I tell you something? Two things would happen. You would never forget it, and you'd tell somebody about it. If you met the President of the United States, he shook your hand, personally introduced himself to you, and he gave you a check for $25,000, number one, you'd never forget it, and number two, you'd tell somebody it happened. When did you meet the King of kings and the Lord of lords? When did you meet Jesus Christ in such a way that, A, you never forgot it? And by the way, he didn't give you $25,000. He gave you everything he has for eternity. (laughs) When did you meet him? And did you ever stop telling people about it? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the good news that we have been reconciled. The debt is paid. Sin is no longer your problem. Jesus is your problem, or he's the solution to your problem. Is he in your heart? Have you let him in? Listen, I'm not talking about ritual. I'm not talking about walking the aisle at church camp with your best friend. I'm not talking about being coerced by your mama or your granddaddy. I'm talking about the God who set the sun on fire. Has he taken up residence in your heart through your own invitation? You see, I can't save you repeating the words I'm about to lead you in, will not save you. But God, knowing your heart, listening to your heart, God will save you. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, listen, you've gone through a ritual, you've gone through some sort of class, but God is not living in your heart. You never met Jesus in a way that you never forgot it and you never stopped telling people about it. Get right with God right now, right where you sit. No spiritual gymnastics, just right where you sit. Would you do business with God? I'll lead you. It's a very simple prayer. It goes something like this. Father, I've messed up. I'm sorry. I am a sinner, and I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. Lord, I've broken your law, and I've broken your heart, and I stop. I turn around, and I come to Jesus, Jesus, I believe you died for me. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead. And I don't understand that, but just like a child, I believe it and I'm putting my faith in you, Lord. Would you save my soul? Would you wash away my sin? And Lord, give me the Holy Spirit that I might live for you with heads bowed and eyes closed. Pastor Chris and I only two looking around. If you would honestly say, Brother Joe, I prayed that prayer with you this morning. I want you to slip your hand up in the air because I want to pray for you. Pastor and I, anybody at all, you would say, you know what? I'm giving my life to Jesus this morning. All right, everybody look up here. Not one hand went up. So that tells me one of two things. Either most of you are saved, which I believe is the case. Or number two, God's going to eat you alive with this message. He's not going to let you rest. I've preached the gospel as clear as it can be preached. I've done what God sent me here to do. You need to do what God sent you here to do. Listen to me. Have you got hold of an oar? Are you rowing? Are you helping this church go where God wants it to go? Amen? There's some work to do, folks. God wants to take this ship somewhere. He wants to change this part of the country through your witness, through your words. And that's what revival's about. And by the way, you can't be revived until you've been vibed. Amen? Amen? And so let's wake up. Let's let God get hold of our hearts. I'm going to preach the Word of God, and I'll preach you two promises. I won't be long, and I won't be boring. Amen? Because I've sat through both of them. <laughs> but it's a time of invitation. Would you stand with me? Maybe you need to get down this altar. You've got lost children. You've got lost grandkids. You know in your heart something's just not right in your own life, and you need to break that cycle of sin. You say, well, what will people think if I come to the altar? It don't matter. What does God know? That's what matters. And by the way, listen to this preacher. I quit gauging the success of a revival based on what happens in the last five to seven minutes of a service a long time ago. The success of this revival will be what happens in the next five to seven months. Amen? And so if you've got stuff you need to repent, you need to get right, maybe you just want to come tell God how much you love him. But let's start this revival in a way that God changes us so he can use us to change others. Thank you, Jesus.